This is Mike Madrid. And this is Gregory Rodriguez. We're your hosts for Americanata, where we'll be exploring the intersection of race, class, culture, and politics during a time of extraordinary change. We'll be thinking out loud and processing what's on our minds as we go, unfiltered. And we're looking forward to you joining us for this discussion as we explore how we got to this tumultuous moment in the United States. Gregory, good to see you. Good to be back um, to cover a couple of topics. I think that we've been kind of skirting around a little bit, but wanted to kind of jump right at the thematic over the last few um, topics that we've covered have really, I think, focused us on this idea between the separation between um, people in their government or people in politics generally. And I'm just wondering if you think people are fatigued. Are we just, is it, it's not just like a Trump fatigue, which is clearly setting in. It's kind of a politics fatigue, a government fatigue, Dude, I've had pandemic fatigue. Maybe we were all just tired. It's a fatigue fatigue. Dude, I've had tired. I've had political fatigue since I was since I could vote. You know, if you're a Californian, you they ask you to vote every every other Tuesday, and it's mm-hmm. absurd. And you know, I, and for a while, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm fresh from college, I can vote. What a privilege! Ah. And I would go every time. And then there'd be, you know, five people one day, three people the next. And then then you start to realize, wait, the people who are actually in charge of elections, they know how few of us are going, right? So then there's a special election, right? And then there's two people between 12 and three in the afternoon. And then you start to think, wait, there's a, this isn't somebody's interest that so few people vote, that we vote so often. And it's under the guise of, all participation, participation all the time. And the more people participating is good unthinkingly. It's just good, right? It's like McDonald hamburgers are great because billions have bought them. That's the logic, right? So I don't know, dude, I, after a while, I just started to resent it. And I just started to say, at what point are you shoving it down our throats? At one point, do we get so tired that we, we, we're showing our preference for the system or our taste for the system by ignoring it? You're sounding a little authoritarian. The opposite, like authoritarian. Yeah. the opposite of authoritarian. The opposite of authoritarian. I'm saying that more? I have a right to opt out. That's the opposite of authoritarian. Authoritarian is, compul- is compulsive, is it, 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 making, making behavior compulsory. I'm doing the opposite, which is I have the right to opt out. The opposite of authoritarian. I love the passion that you have for not being involved civically. No, it's exactly. Because we've turned what a privilege into a demand. There's something there's nothing more undemocratic than the notion of compulsory voting, for instance, as I believe that in Western as a Western American and a Western American part of my understanding of the privileges of, and the rights of, de- of a democratic citizen is the right to go away, the right to not participate, the right to go to the desert and sit like a lizard on a rock. So yeah, I believe that's one of our rights, whereas there's other people who, f- who feel that saving democracy is devising every which possible incentive to get people to go inward. I think going outward is healthy. Yeah, the Australians have compulsory voting. It's, it's, to me, it's an anti-democratic notion. I agree. I don't, I don't think that that's the way to do it, but I, I do. 
And I do think we vote too much. I don't know what the right number is. Maybe once every other year, right? Just to remind people that, oh yeah, you're supposed to show up and do this. Um, and and it's part, it's the minimum obligation that you have. And I'm not saying you have to vote. I'm not arguing for compulsory voting, but I do think that there there's like some minimum, like that's the baseline for civic participation, right? It's like voting, registering, <laughs> showing up to vote. It's, it's the minimum. It's the, the exactly. I was about to say stakes. it's the minimum. And the problem is there are so few other ways to engage systematically that vote, voting becomes this great fetish. There should be other ways to for people can, who can feel involved and engaged and, 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 and having some ownership. But but there isn't any. Right. It's just this voting. That's everything, as opposed to other means of engagement that I don't think anybody really cares about uh how many how, when's the last time you went to a Dem uh, rather a neighborhood meeting where you live besides never i'm guessing never yeah. never no yeah and i wouldn't go I, it's not just well, that i'm I missing know. the meetings i, I mean okay it, it would let me take give an example extraordinary well okay let me give an example if there were if there were a committee so if you let's say you have kids your kids are all older now but you have let's say you wanted a crosswalk uh, on the way to your kid's school, you would show up because that is visceral yeah. engagement in a an act of government that will literally make your family safer. We don't have that option in most of our, and you know, LA has these pretend, you know, committees that are just really about people joining so people don't build in their neighborhoods, but, but, you know, not to be cynical, but yes, but that kind of engagement, I think is, is sometimes even more important than the voting, right? Like to affecting the way government operates in a way that affects you and your your family viscerally, that's really important. And that's I think you should go. I think you should well, go it, to the next meeting. Honestly, I was gonna say the reasons why I would show up is to make sure that somebody else wasn't doing <laughs> something to me that I didn't want them to do, right? <laughs> okay, which, right. which which is kind of a broader perspective of the way government is and the government works. But, like, you but, know, my, my engagements just, you know, this is my, my little laboratory of one with the, the city where I live, right. Is, is to call a council person's office. Right. And immediately they say, may I ask who's calling? And they'll say, my name is so-and-so. And they'll say from which group. And I'll say from the Gregory Rodriguez group. <laughs> Like, you know, no, seriously, every time I've called the council, it's from which group? Because they don't really care about the individual. They right. care about somebody with some heft of more than 10 votes behind them. But like, oh, you're just calling for yourself? Uh, yeah, we'll get back to you. Stunning. And that's, yeah. and I've had, you know, we've had lots. So I, I did, you know, hey, I confess, I tried to become an involved citizen in the middle of Los Angeles several times. It's not a welcoming place to be, dude. And if you're, unless you're, you're not, unless you're part, unless you have a stationary or you can claim to speak for some, for a group, I don't really think they care much. That's so been ratings, ratings for CNN, MSNBC, and have collapsed since the inauguration, since Thank God. Joe Biden. <laughs> has Fox has Fox dropped? Fox has too? come down to like six percent. I I actually thought Fox would go up because there's this perverse pendulum that swings, right? Because the outrage machine on both sides gets really fired up when your party is out of power because the fear and the anger uh, odometer starts to really crank up, right? It's because they're coming to get your guns on the right. So they dropped less. They've dropped, but dropped they dropped, less. But they dropped less, six percent. Okay. 
yeah, CNN's was like 40% or something dramatic, right? Wow. And you see, you're seeing engagement amongst media platforms around politics essentially collapsing. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's a permanent thing. I think it's probably within the historical trend lines with. But at least newspapers are doing really well in America, right? <laughs> you can still get your paper, right? No, I think subscription rates are even down. No, I was, it was a, it was a know, morbid joke. I know, was, yeah. I know you were yeah. joking, but 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 th those numbers are dropping as well, right? New York Times and Washington Post subscription rates are dropping as well. So it's like the the the, the demographic, the constituency that was the most alarmed, most afraid, most concerned, now is finding some peace, and they're kind of like, let me go back about my day and get back into the mundaneness of life. I don't have to be worried about the nuclear apocalypse uh, because Donald Trump's tweeting something or subscribing to the New York Times because that is. Besides voting, that is the other thing that I can do to protect democracy um, and making sure that I'm getting the talking points down well, from Rachel Maddow every day. Right. Well, well, well look, I, I've already outed myself uh, in, in terms of my adolescent cheer for declining ratings of TV cable. So why don't you tell us what you feel about the decline in viewership of, of cable? Well, this is uh, I, I think. Look, I have not subscribed to cable for two years. Um, and you, and you call yourself a political animal. Well, that's exactly right. No, that's exactly right. And I did it consciously because I, was, I had become a junkie and I realized I did not feel good watching it. it. Like literally, physically, if you're aware enough of your physical sense, you, cable, cable news makes you feel bad physically. Wow, and yet you remain on Twitter. Yeah, well, Twitter does the same thing, and I've dramatically scaled back. <laughs> uh, I've dramatically scaled back on my Twitter uh, activity too. Twitter's worse than all three combined, by the way, right? Yeah. All three of the cable news shows combined, but it's all literally designed and focus grouped and market researched to make you angry and scared mm -hmm. because it's addicting, and that that's how they lock in viewers. So, I, I, I consciously, again, as somebody who has to watch political activity and political happenings um, very closely because of my, my profession. I cut it out two years ago. I stopped, I stopped it entirely. Don't, don't have, don't, don't watch those shows. They're providing no value add, but I do watch the ratings numbers because it does tell me which constituencies are more energized for the next election. Right. It's right. that maybe that is right. what I do, but what, what there seems to be is an overall kind of exhaustion or fatigue we've just run out of gas and i don't know if that's actually going to start having the outrage machine the outrage industry is kind of like losing some of its fuel here like how pissed off can people get yeah. at joe biden when we just dealt with four years of donald trump like yeah. what are you gonna get so pissed off about before we move on, uh, I, I want to tell the story that when I got off TV and when I knew it affected me poorly, it was the the the, the evening of the Northridge earthquake. All right, I lived in the center of LA. That the back of my apartment building crumbled. It was it was all you know stucco, so it wasn't structural. And it was terrifying. Okay. It was so, I woke up and the, the transformers were blowing up outside my window. I thought we were being bombed. I said, I, I thought Yeltsin's our friend, you know, it was, it was just terrifying. <laughs> right. So, and so I lived through that and, and I experienced the day walking around the neighborhood and I was like, okay, this is bad. And people are in the streets, but, 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 you know, you start to try to get your, your footing in life. Right. That evening there was a curfew. I turned on the television, dude. And it freaked me out. Isn't that interesting? So, so my person and people I know and loved were all fine. 
but I turned on the TV and it freaked me out because what it did was it focused on, remember it focused on fires in Balboa Boulevard, a street I've driven on once, right, in my life. And, and that's when I knew that the value of TV is very limited in the sense uh, in informationally, but it's so charged emotionally. I, I've really never watched it since because it was so hard, because it, it fought with my own sense of reality about the news that I had just experienced. So what, did you change your habits after that or no? Never, I never watched it again. I mean, I don't have, I, right now I don't even have cable. I just have streaming. Yeah. And you know, if I need to watch, you know, yesterday I watched the Biden uh, uh, press conference. I just watched it on my computer. Yeah. Much, my, you know, it's, my, yeah, go ahead. My, my hope is, like I said, there's, there's a certain fatigue that's setting in that it brings about sort of a, a, of a, if not a collapse, then at least a, um, a thinning of the herd of the outrage purveyors and the outrage machine. It's, it's, it's like, like there's, it is, it, the outrage economy hit such a fever pitch over the last few years that there's a lot of money being made because people are just buying into the fear. Right, they're throwing money at somebody who's fighting back, at somebody who's explaining it, at somebody who's a comrade in arms in the resistance against it, and it, like anything, it, it then it, then it exists to perpetuate itself, and the outrage makes things so toxic. And this this again, this is not a dynamic that is a you know um, a function of the right or the left. Both sides do this. And you're going to see this start happening again, especially when one party controls all three branches of, of government. And, and the, the outrage, that the monetization of outrage is a signature feature of democracy right now, which is right. in and of itself kind of part of what is ripping it apart. And, and the outrage stimulates you, but it's ultimately very boring because what it does is actually limits your ability to sift through any of the choices, presumably, let's say you're a Democrat and you're not going to think through who you like. You're going to think through who can beat the guy you hate. Right. So, yes, the, 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 the polarization makes you dumber and it actually gives you less freedom of choice because you're always at the precipice of, oh, my God, if we don't get X out, I, you know, we have Joe Biden for president. I don't think he was a first choice of a lot of people. Um, by the way, I did sort of love him in the press conference yesterday. I, I loved one particular line. I need to tell you. I tell was me about elected, it because I didn't watch it. Part I of was my, elected part of my to solve problems. I'm like, God bless you, man. <laughs> I was elected to solve problems. I'm like, wow. I was not elected to entertain you. I was not elected to rah-rah you. I was elected to solve problems. And I loved him for that. I, you know, it was, you know, he's very staid, checked his notes. I, the, the journalists were, were rather obnoxious, uh, I thought, uh, trying to, I think, I, I think they were trying to prove that they weren't in the tank with, for him already. Um, it was sort of very performative, but I thought he, he really did well. And I, I thought it was rather comforting that, imagine that, dude, he was elected to solve problems. I like that. That's my new you think you vision of government. Solving problems, or at least trying, or, or at least yeah. saying that you're going to try to, right? I can't believe, I can't believe somebody said that. Do you think you'll watch the next one? Or are you kind of done? Oh, Lord, no. Check out of politics? Lord, no. No, no. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I watched the dumbest things. No, I shouldn't say dumb. I'm on a lot of different feeds in different countries. And I watched, 
I watched the inauguration of the president of Ecuador, dude, live on streaming a couple uh, not long ago. And I, I, I watched things like that. Um, oh, I watched a Sotheby's auction of a Picasso painting the other day. So I actually love watching for watching's sake. Um, so I will, but not for almost to take a, almost to learn, no, to learn, but actually entirely to learn. Um, and yesterday I just kind of wanted to see how Biden was doing and I was comforted. It was like, don't, it, I, when he said I elected, I was elected to cause, to, to not cause, to <laughs> solve problems. I kind of said, okay, I can shut off now. Somebody, there's a guard out there, dude, and I don't have to stay awake tonight. There's there's somebody outside the building. Somebody on the wall, take a watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably not the best use of a metaphor, but but look, but look, I mean, you're talking about you know watching uh, events in Ecuador or a Picasso painting selling, as opposed to being worried about what or 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 being overwhelmed by the news of the day from a politician or the president, is exactly what I'm talking about, right? You said something really important, which is the hyper partisanization of the country is making us dumber. Oh, absolutely. Dumber and meaner. Dumber and meaner. And the, the one upsmanship is what's really like ridiculous. It's and like, it, it's not, it, it, one thing I'm, a characteristic that I'm watching is like the, the dumber a politician gets on the extreme, the more dug in the defenders become. And the more kind yeah. of quasi legitimate it becomes, the more yeah. excuses you've made and it's this, this, I, I subscribe it to, I ascribe it to this, the sunk loss theory. Like I've already made such a fool of myself by defending Matt Gates before or Madison Crawford or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Donald Trump uh, socially. Like I've already, I'm already kind of the village idiot by doing that, that I, I I'm already in. So I might as well just go all in and hope that my fortunes turn because I'm already that guy. And then when you're called deplorable by the other side, you embrace it and put it on a T-shirt and yes. revel in it as part of your identity. Yes. So, yes. Th th so it's it's a it's also a sounding board, and a, and a, it also it also gets you going. It, it's not just digging in your heels. It's actually it's actually it's 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 actually more forward than going backward. It's yeah, I'm a deplorable. So do we, are we at a moment now in this moment of fatigue where we can burn our t-shirts and let down the, the nonsense and maybe, maybe forgive ourselves for being as ridiculous on the right and the left as we have been because we don't have to be as consumed well, by the outrage machine? Well, right now, as I, I, I going back to my, you know, I, I, I was literally on the computer for 12 minutes. So this is my impression. I was so comforted by Joe Biden that I'm already, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't feel the, the extremes anymore. I didn't feel the, I, I felt, I saw silly questions lobbed at him, but um, I'm already, yeah, I, I think, but I, I think having, I saw somebody post somewhere, uh, it's sort of a Democrat, as far as I can tell, saying Biden's becoming my president because he doesn't need my attention all the time. I love that. So it's it's time for politicians to go back, get away from the move a bit back away from the television cameras and go do their jobs and we can do our jobs which is presumably to be productive citizens who on occasion choose the people in a republic who represent us and who pull the levers for us. 
That's our job. It's, our job is not to be uh, constant monitors of the system. We have other things to do, presumably. I, I had a theory back when I wrote about LA a lot that LA uh, mostly elects really boring technocratic government, government gov, gov, mayors, excuse me, uh, because we have better things to do. And I stand by that. We have consistently boring people we place uh, at the top of city government. Are we there as a nation now? For the no, moment? no. I mean, we, we don't know how Trumpism is going to morph and what's going to happen next. Uh, it depends. It depends how successful Biden is, I guess. If Biden, you know, uh, doesn't appease certain segments of the left, they're going to, you know, kick his ass as, as you know, as they as they as perhaps they should. Uh, that's their job to get them to do what they want to do, right? So I don't know. It depends on if he's successful, as he has, he already was successful with the stimulus bill. Uh, his success will mitigate, I think, extremes on both sides. And I think that might be the takeaway, right? This this success of boredom, this this the, the staying out of the papers is the success that that keeps us from the extremism that has consumed so much of our lives over the past four years. I want to look one of the really fascinating dynamics of the election cycle, which of course I was really involved in with, with the Lincoln Project work was whenever the pandemic was was politically speaking extraordinarily advantageous to Joe Biden because he literally and, and you know Trump gave him the name Joe Hyden for a while which I loved Joe Hyden right it's like he was he was in the basement doing nothing saying nothing going nowhere and his positives would go up like people didn't want to hear from their politicians anymore they were tired of it mm-hmm. they didn't want to wake up thinking about it because they had other presumably like you said they had other other and or better things to do than being a watchdog on what the hell is happening with whatever it is that the president's you know got a bugaboo about that today and he's continued that it's like i don't know what i don't really know after the stimulus package i'm not exactly sure what joe biden's working on I didn't feel compelled to tune into the press conference at all. And it's my profession. And that's one of the reasons why his popularity is at a high, as high as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, and what I watched at the press conference, he did lay out the big things he's going to be looking at and he'll be t- looking at them one at a time or as they come up. And I, there was something comforting about that. It was, it was less battle and more a plan, more plotting than it was a siege of sorts, you know? So, um, and government as a process rather than as constant theater. Maybe this has just been a war of attrition, all the extremism that's been brewing since the mid 1990s and both armies are just well, fucking out of gas. Well, I mean, I mean, again, if you, there's, there's, there's bigger, there's bigger sort of fundamental problems of, again, inequality and, and people not feeling part of the, uh, not feeling that we're in a fair system. So if he, if he addresses at least some of those, then there'll be less reason for people to be unhappy with the system. So God bless him. I, I hope he makes some, makes some hay. Gregory, good talking to you. Thanks again for visiting with Gregory Rodriguez and Mike Madrid on this episode of Americanata. If you've enjoyed the discussion, please help us out, share, review, and give us five stars. We'll talk to you next episode.